You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So our focus is verse 7. I'm going to read the first seven verses of Exodus 20, but I'm also going to read a couple verses from from chapter 19 as well, picking up at verse 4 of chapter 19, and then I'll move to chapter 20. So once again, please give your careful attention to the word of God. Exodus 19, beginning at verse 4. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And then Exodus 20, beginning at verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And we will end our reading of God's word there. Let's stop and pray together to him. Father in heaven, we pray that you would enable us to treasure and cherish your name. Especially as those whom you have loved and placed your name on. As your treasured possession. Lord, we've just been reminded from Psalm 86 Great is your love and your kindness to us. You are the one who has freed our souls from the grave. You are the merciful God, full of grace, slow to wrath, abounding in truth and in love. And because of this and and so much more, we do not want to take your name in vain. We want to know how to love your name and bear your name before this world in a way that brings honor to it. And so we pray that you would instruct us and uh, convict us, that you would encourage us, that you would point us to that one uh, who has the name that is above every name, uh, who perfectly did this for us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would do this for our uh, blessing and ultimately for the exaltation of your name. Uh, For we pray in your name. Amen. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I want you to begin tonight by thinking about your name. 
Your name is important. Your name identifies you. It sets you apart from others. Your name is a primary way in which you make yourself known, a way in which you introduce yourself. And as people get to know you, they learn your name. And they begin to identify your name with who you are and what you're like. They associate your name with your face, uh, with your gender, perhaps with the color of your hair, other characteristics. They think about what you like, what you love, how you act. And for these reasons, we care about our names, don't we? Now, we can, can, we can care too much about our names, but we have a right interest and concern for our names. How we're known is important to us. If we hear our name in a different conversation, we listen up. Uh, we're concerned for the honor and the reputation of our name. You've probably heard the phrase, uh, so-and-so made a name for themselves. Uh, what kind of name do you wish to make for yourself? How do you like to be known? How would you like to be remembered? Well, in a similar but much more significant way, God's name is very important to him. His name is his reputation. It is who he is. It's how he makes himself known. It's much more than just a label or a title. His name, as we read about his name and understand this concept in Scripture, his name is his nature. It's his character. It's who he is and who he's revealed himself to be. And he's revealed himself as the good, sovereign God of the universe, the only creator, the only redeemer. His name and how we use that name and respond to that name is very important to him, and it must be to us as well. God wants his name, all of his works, all of his words to be held in honor, uh, to be sanctified, to be set apart. And so when God gives us his top ten list, if you will, um, he made this number three. He says, do not misuse my name. And then he adds a warning, as if to pack more punch, to, to, to really underline this. Say, he says, get this wrong and you will be guilty. Essentially, God says, if you misuse my name, I will take it personally, and I will have just anger. His name is the name that is above all names. And when we disregard that name, when we break this commandment, this third commandment, we are guilty and we are condemned. Now, we're guilty by breaking any of the commandments, and we, if we're honest, we break all of them. But that's why we need a Savior, and that is why, praise God, we have the Lord Jesus Christ. But God highlights this here because his very identity is at stake. Taking his name in vain is, in a way, an attack on who he is and who he says he is. It's an attack on his dignity and glory, the fact that he is God. And so he forbids it. And he calls us instead to the opposite, which is to honor his name and bear his name in a way that gives him uh, glory. We are to revere his name. 
And so that's what we want to think about and meditate on together tonight from Exodus chapter 20. And tonight, the third commandment calls each and every one of you to glorify the name of the Lord. To glorify the name of the Lord in your life and in all of your life. Honor and revere that name. God calls you to glorify his name. And we want to see together that he calls you to glorify his name in your worship. He calls you to glorify his name with your words and in your work, really in everything that you do. So that's where we're going. That's what we want to consider together tonight. Well, the, first, the third commandment calls you first to glorify the name of the Lord in your worship. Glorify the name of the Lord in worship. Look again with me at verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. In worship, you and I take the name of God upon our lips. Uh, literally, we, we lift it up, and that's the word here for take. Lift, lift up the name of God. And to do that in vain is to do it without purpose, uh, to do it without thought or care, without reverence and love for the one we speak of. It's not enough to outwardly worship the right God in the right way. We've thought about that in the first two commandments. It's not enough to go through the motions. That is taking his name in vain. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for this. Mark 7, verse 7, he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. Jesus saw right through them. He saw that this was vain worship. This was taking God's name in vain. This was lip service. Their hearts did not match what was on their lips. There was no real humility or reverence. There was no love and faith in their hearts. They were taking God's name on their lips, but taking it in vain. You see, worship requires mental and spiritual engagement. Uh, going to church, singing, praying, uh, doing these uh, outward acts of worship, th this dishonors God if it is not from the heart. And so you can take God's name in vain when you pray in worship, but you're not actually mentally engaged. You're not actually speaking to God from the heart. Not actually pleading with God with earnestness and with desire. When you allow your minds to drift and your hearts to drift in prayer. Now, all of us do this. This is something that we are battling with as humans. Thanks be to God, we are forgiven through the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is one of the ways we can take God's name in vain. Even when we're singing, we can sing praise to God, sing praise to his name, but we don't actually mean it. Or we're distracted and our hearts are somewhere else. What about when God's word is read or preached in worship? Does it go in one ear and out the other? Or do we actually let it sink in? If you simply hear it but feel and believe and do nothing and, and don't respond to it, that is a way in which you can take God's name in vain. God's name can be taken in vain by preaching, by preaching God's word without care. 
without reverence, without rightly explaining and applying it. And when the preacher says God has a message for you, but it's really his message. We need to be on guard against taking God's name in vain in worship. Worship is not a casual meeting where we just show up and we can tune in or tune out. It is a meeting between the living God and his people. It is a dialogue between the living God and his people. And you are called to be there, body and mind. You are to be there with your heart, worshiping God with reverence, seeking to glorify him with your lips and your ears and your hearts. And brothers and sisters, God sees your hearts. And when we worship this way with right hearts, coming to God through the perfect life and death of Jesus, taking and hearing his name with, with true humility, with reverence, with awe in our hearts, our worship is not in vain. But it is rich and true. It's meaningful. Uh, it brings glory to God. And it brings great good to us. And so, brothers and sisters, glorify God. Glorify his name in worship. Use that as an opportunity to bring glory and honor to his name. Well, second tonight, the third commandment also calls you to glorify the name of the Lord in your words. Glorify the name of the Lord. Bring reverence and honor to God's name with your words. Listen again to the first part of verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. God here is forbidding us from speaking his name in vain. And what that means is not speaking with truth, speaking without proper reverence for God. This would include using his names or, or his actions as a curse or an exclamation. And people sadly do this all the time when they're shocked or they're angry or just in everyday speech. They can do it digitally with what they write or, or send over their phones. And this is taking, this is a form of taking God's name in vain, speaking of him without reverence, without respect, without truth, uh, thoughtlessly. And aside from the fact that this language like this often makes no sense and displays a disregard for grammar and logic, uh, it is an offense to the living God. It's an offense to the living God. It is bearing his name in vain. Now, often as we interact with the world, we cannot help but hear this kind of language. There is no place for such words, says God. This is a violation of my character. This is taking my name in vain. But we, oftentimes in the world, we can't help but hear this kind of language. And it is offensive. But it, it can actually present an opportunity for us when we interact with people that take God's name in vain. When someone speaks of God or hell or Jesus Christ in your presence without thought or care, you might consider, not every time, perhaps, sometimes this will end the conversation or make them even more angry, but you might, if there's an opportunity, ask them what they know of who they've just spoken of, what they mean by their words, why they use those particular words or speak of that particular person. 
asking such a question could start a conversation and, and give you the chance to share what you know and what you believe, why these are not flippant matters. Uh, this is someone you know and love, someone who loves you. Perhaps they'll be more careful uh, with their words. Uh, it might be a learning opportunity for them, or perhaps they might even consider the reality of God and his truth. Or if they're a brother and sister, brother and sister in Christ, it'll give them an opportunity to, to be aware of this offense and repent and seek the mercy of God. But I think it's very clear that such speech is offensive to God. But the third commandment covers much more than, than just these explicit uh, ways in which we take God's name in vain when it comes to speech. It tells us that our words should not try to bring glory to our names, but rather to his. Uh, it forbids joking about God, talking about him carelessly, and not speaking truthfully about him. Uh, this does not bring glory to his name. And all this can be very subtle. Uh, we can use God's name to justify our actions or interpretations. We can say things like, well, I feel like this is God's will. And it's really just our own. Um, we could say things like, well, God told me to do such and such. And have no reference to his, his actual word. Or we can, we can say things like, well, God's word means this to me, but it's really not what God meant or what God is communicating. Those are little ways we can, if we're not careful, we can take God's name in vain. Another common way we can fail to honor God with our words is when we simply complain. Complaining in our hearts or with our words does not give honor and glory to God, to the name of God, who ordains everything that comes to pass, even for our good. But positively, positively, we are called to speak to and about God with truth and reverence and boldness. This is what this commandment calls us to positively. We are not to be ashamed of Christ, ashamed of the name of God, ashamed of the gospel. We're to be ready to give reasons for our hope, ready to speak about God in truth with love and with honor and respect. If you really know and value God, this becomes easier, and it's, it's really natural. Now think about how you're careful with how you use things that are valuable to you. This may be a silly example, but think about uh, nice clothes that you might own, and you value them. Uh, they're worth something to you. Maybe you paid a little bit for them, and they, they look just right. They, they fit just right. Well, you're careful with how you use them. Uh, you don't carelessly throw them on the floor. Uh, you, don't work, you don't wear them to work out in the garden or to fix your, your car. Uh, you, share, you show care and concern for the use of them. Well, friends, do we show this care uh, really far more care for the name of God in our speech? Do you value his name because you value him and you know him and you love him? Do you seek to keep from using his name carelessly and casually and keep it from being marred by misuse? That is what God calls you to here in the third commandment. Glorify his name in your words 
with your speech. Well, then third and finally, uh, you are to glorify the name of the Lord in your work. God calls you not to take his name in vain in work, but to glorify his name in work. And by work, I mean all of life, all that you do uh, in, in your walk. If you are a Christian, if you profess faith in Christ, if you belong to God as your God by faith, then you bear his name. The Bible identifies you as God's people, as saints, as his treasured possession, called by his name, uh, united to his son. You are identified with him, like it or not, and, and you, you ought to like it because this is a wonderful, amazing privilege. You bear God's name in whatever you're doing, wherever you go. But with that privilege comes great responsibility to take that name, to bear that name well and not in vain. Think about when a child is adopted, they get a new family, and they also get a new family name. Well, as Christians, you've been adopted as children of God. And so you have a new family, and you have a new name. You're part of the family of God. And this is so significant that God gave us a special sign and seal to be a mark of this. One of our sacraments, baptism. In baptism, God puts his name on you and claims you as his own. You are baptized into the name, the singular name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're publicly identified with and by the triune name of God. Now, people in places with, with more persecution, Christians that are in more regular danger, often understand the significance of this a lot more than us, baptism. And they do so in part because they realize they have taken a new name, and now they are publicly identified with Jesus, and that makes them enemies. Uh, that puts a target on their back. But the point of all of this is that God calls you in the third commandment to not take this new name, to not take this name from him in vain, but to embrace it, to seek by faith, by the grace of God in Christ, to live up to it, to be fully and truly committed in faith and in deed, in word and in deed to him, to not be a hypocrite, Jesus warned about this in Matthew 7. He said, you will recognize a tree by its fruit. And then he went on in verse 21 and said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, Jesus is not saying there that doing God's will is what gets you to heaven. None of us can do that. Only Jesus has done that for us. But what he's saying is, is a true faith and a true confession of Christ as Lord leads to a life of seeking to do God's will. A life that produces imperfect but real fruit. A life where you're not trying to make a name for yourself, but you are trying to make God's name great. Colossians 3, 17 and following puts it this way. 
whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So as believers, all you do is to be done in and by and for the name of the Lord, to his honor and to his glory. You bear his name, and you are to seek to bear it well. We will not bear it perfectly as we are sinners and we continue to stumble and fail, but by God's grace, we are to seek to bear his name before this world in a way that brings glory to God. Think about how actions often speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than labels. You and I are called to work for the glory of God in all that we do and show our faith by what we do, by our deeds, representing the name of God to a watching world with honor. Some of you may remember uh, the scandals with some of the U.S. Olympic swimmers several years ago when the Olympics were in Brazil. And many, when that happened, many said that these athletes brought dishonor to the United States. Now, why did people say that? Why did they shame the United States and bring dishonor to our country? Well, it's because these athletes compete for their country. They compete for their flag. They represent where they are from. They bear that name. It is on their jersey. It is on their registration for the the Olympics. They represent their country. They're expected to do that in a dignified and valiant way. Well, as Christians, you are called much more so to a life of character and uprightness and honor because of your country, because of your citizenship, which is in heaven, because of your God, who you ultimately belong to. You were called to bring glory to God's name in all your works. Well, I want us to bring this to a close tonight by considering the one who did all of this perfectly. Let us think together just for a few minutes about Jesus Christ. He perfectly glorified the name of God. He never once bore the name of God's in in vain. And you and I cannot and do not do that. We fail. But for those who trust in Jesus Christ, for those who are guilty of breaking not just the third commandment, but all of them, think about this. God does not hold you guiltless because he placed your guilt on Jesus. And Jesus paid for that on the cross. But if your faith is not in Jesus tonight, if you are not trusting in the Son of God, God will not hold you guiltless. But as he says here in verse 7, he will hold you guilty. And so the third commandment calls all of you to repent of your sin. It calls all of us to repent and look to Jesus Christ. It calls us to faith in Jesus as the only remedy to our guilt. Look to him. Look to the cross. 
This is not only where forgiveness and life is found for all who fall short of God's glory. This is the very pinnacle of Jesus giving himself to glorify the name of his Father. Listen to what Jesus said in John 12 as he was coming into Jerusalem, anticipating the hour of excruciating death and rejection on the cross. Jesus said this, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Father, glorify your name. By my death, glorify your name. Give life to dead sinners that they might glorify your name, like me. Glorify your name at the cross so that the world would see both your justice and your mercy. The greatest act of love for the unlovable, making the guilty guiltless. Jesus' purpose and his prayer was to glorify the name of his Father. The whole reason he came was to die for the sake of his Father's name, that he might be glorified in the saving of sinners. But as he thought about that, he was deeply troubled at what it would cost. He was deeply troubled anticipating the pain, the agony, the humiliation, the separation And yet he was resolved. He was earnest. He was zealous to glorify the name of his father and save his people. And friends, brothers and sisters, this is why and this is how you must seek the glory of God's name. In fact, just before praying this, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, follow me. Do what I do. He said, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. To glorify the name of the Lord like Jesus, you have to lay down your life like Jesus and follow him. Follow him to the cross. Take up your cross. Lay down your life, a life lived for yourself. Forsake that. Hate it, says Jesus. Deny yourself. Die to yourself so you might live to God's glory by faith in Jesus and honor his name. And so, brothers and sisters, in Christ, by faith, live with his resolve and earnestness like him with a wholehearted devotion to the name of the Lord seeking his honor and glory above all else in all that you do, not taking his name in vain, but honoring his name in your worship, in your words, in all your work here on earth. Friends, God calls you not to give your life for your name, but to lose it for his, to make Jesus' prayer and his purpose your own. Father, glorify your name. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do confess that we have not kept your word. We have not honored your name in the way that you created us to do and called us to. 
Uh, We ask for your forgiveness. Uh, Lord, we not only break this commandment with our lips, but in our hearts, with our attitudes, with our words, at times in our worship, and even in the daily work you give us. And we ask, Lord, that you would convict us and that we would see our need all the more for Jesus Christ and rejoice in him and delight in him and praise you and thank you that he never once took your name in vain. He fulfilled all righteousness for us, and yet he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He took our guilt so that we might be guiltless. And so, Father, we praise you and thank you for that. We pray that as those who are called by your name, called out of sin and death, we would bear your name with honor and glory before this world and bring glory to you. Lord, we know we will not do that perfectly this side of glory, but we look forward to that day when we will perfectly honor and glorify your name forever and ever. Until that day, Lord, strengthen us and enable us to honor your name. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.